With a 50% obesity rate in the U.S. and more unhealthy people than ever before, it is time to make America healthy. Welcome to Make America Healthy with Beth Shaw. If you're feeling tired, toxic, heavy, slow, or stressed, then keep listening. Beth and her expert guests are here to offer practical advice and share the tools you need to reclaim your physical, mental, and emotional health. Now, here is your host, Beth Shaw. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Make America Healthy. I am very happy to have a return guest on our show, and I'm a huge fan of Dr. Barry Sears. Dr. Sears came out with a book in the 90s called The Zone Diet, and I will say that that is the second nutrition book that really changed my life. I adopted his principles, many of which I was kind of doing naturally um, without really knowing why, but the science behind the zone really impacted me. And I think that he's a tremendous pioneer in the low carb uh, movement and uh, so much more. He's the author of many, many books, uh, again, super famous and very impactful. Without further ado, welcome Dr. Barry Sears. Welcome back to Make America Healthy. Thank you very much. So Barry, um, your book was really life-changing for me. And you and I met a very long time ago at a fitness conference I'm wondering, you know, because science has changed and evolved over the past, let's say, 25 years since that book came out, and some principles are are tried and true forever. Um, what has changed since you wrote The Zone? And is there any new science that we should be aware of? Or can people go on Amazon right now and buy that book and follow it and have the same success that I had? Well, uh, the answer is they could, but the science has evolved. It's been 25 years since I've written the first book. The science of our metabolism and how our food, our diet, controls our metabolism has become more intricate. And as each of those new breakthroughs occur, I keep adding it to the zone concept. And what you're looking at now is a much more of comprehensive program, not to lose weight, but to really to reprogram one's genetic expression. So in many ways, what we're looking at the zone now is basically as dietary reprogramming of your genes. Which and is a typically, typically, how long, Barry, does that reprogramming take? Well, it depends on how much damage you've incurred. If the, What we're really looking at is this uh, concept known as insulin resistance. It's insulin resistance that makes you gain weight. It's insulin resistance that causes mental and physical fatigue. It's insulin resistance that drives chronic disease, and it's insulin resistance that makes you age faster. So, the so question, would it be safe to say that if if people who are listening to this just say, "Okay, I'm taking sugar out of my diet, I'm taking refined and processed carbohydrates out of my diet," are they going to be able to reprogram themselves? And how long will it take? Well, the answer is no. There's a lot more to it. It'd be nice to be that simple, but there's more to it. Um, however, we do know from in terms of insulin resistance that we tend to associate with people who have diabetes, that how long does it take 
with a highly structured program to reduce insulin resistance? The answer is four days. Four days. Is it great? Four days. I'm I'm home free. The trouble is, how long does it take to basically reestablish insulin resistance? Four days. So what you're looking at is saying, I have to basically have a relatively uh, consistent dietary lifestyle if I want to reduce and keep insulin resistance under control for a lifetime. Wonderful. Uh, any of you listeners who, who want to call in to ask Dr. Barry Sears a question, you can call anytime during the show. And that number is 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Barry, go ahead. So four days to a new you. Well, no, in four days to reduce insulin resistance. But if you've had it for a, a good period of time, you've caused a lot of damage. And so how long will it take to repair the damage? That's a longer period of time. And that's why the zone has evolved in terms of saying, it's not so much reducing insulin resistance, which is your primary goal, but how do I repair the damage so I can basically slow down, if not begin to reverse the aging process. And in the process, I basically am doing everything in my power to reduce the likelihood of developing chronic disease states. So what it, like let's have an example. Let's say a 48-year-old woman who's got, you know, 45 extra pounds on her body, uh, has been drinking a lot, maybe eating sugar and processed carbs. Um, what kind of timeline would someone like this be looking at? Well, let's start with the one thing most people are concerned about. I want to lose fat. <laughs> they think weight, but say, I want to lose fat. Fat loss is a very slow process realistically, under any dietary program, you're not going to lose more than one, maybe one and a half pounds of fat per week. So we say, but I I saw the TV ad and somebody lost 200 pounds in four weeks saying, well, the amount of fat was very limited, but you can lose a lot of water and you can lose a lot of muscle mass. So uh, what you're looking at is saying, I want to have a structured program based on the foods I will eat. And that's why you have to have, and that's why I've spent a lot of time over the years developing zone programs for omnivores, vegans, lacto-vegetarians, because you can't say, what is, it's not what you should eat, it's what you will eat. And with that, as more information has come on and understanding how our other dietary factors can affect our metabolism, like the omega-3 fatty acids and the polyphenols, these become now integral aspects in the repair process. So you want to reduce insulin resistance, but then you want to repair the damage caused by insulin resistance. And that's a longer process, sure. But, but once, this, once this, you, is, this is all good news. You know, we had Dr. Nick Pericone on the show last week, and I asked him, and I'll ask you the same question. Uh, do you believe that diabetes is 100% type 2 diabetes? Do you believe it is 100% reversible with dietary and lifestyle changes? The answer is a qualified yes. Okay. A qualified less as saying, how long have you had type 2 diabetes? Uh, if it's, you've basically developed it over the last two years, yes, it is reversible. But if you've had it for 10 years, you have a lot of damage. Of, and But the fact is, you didn't de- just develop type 2 diabetes. Prior to that, uh, probably a decade earlier, 
you had what is called prediabetes. Already your metabolism is going on the on the fritz. And that that is that was 100% of you know reversible with the right dietary program. So for our listeners who are like, it's the new year, I'm going to get blood work done, I'm going to get on an in-body or some type of a body composition scale to figure out, you know, where I'm at, what, um, what are some of the markers and, and, and the specific blood tests that people should be asking their doctors for so that they get an idea if they're pre-diabetic, if they're diabetic? Because I would imagine a lot of people are walking around with pre-diabetes or even diabetes and they don't even know it. Exactly. The best test, because we, the goal is really to reduce insulin resistance. And that's simply a catch-all term to saying your metabolism is not working very well. So what test do we have to do that? The best test we have is what is called HOMA IR. It's a, it's a blood measure. It's a blood test, simple blood test. Can, I, can you spell that for us? Yes. It's uh, H-O-M-A hyphen I-R. Okay. And this requires us basically two different blood tests. One is your fasting insulin and the other is your fasting glucose. And once you have those two numbers, you put them into a very simple equation and out comes a number. If it's less than one, you have no insulin resistance. If it's more than one, you have it. And the higher the level is, the more trouble you're in. Okay, so this is a specialized test that you have to request because they're not automatically going to give it to you. Is that correct? They won't, uh, but you can basically say, I, I think I'm diabetic and I want this test or I'll see you. They'll give it to you. Okay. Now, in, now in Italy, the test, the test costs $21. The standard test in Italy, a standard test in Brazil. But that one test will basically say what your future is. If the number is high, your future is bleak. If your number is low, your future is bright. And what is considered a high number, Barry? Well, a high number would be any number over two. Okay. And why is that bad? Because once you develop insulin resistance and develop type 2 diabetes, you've opened up a world of pain because now you're four times more likely to get a heart disease and twice as likely to get Alzheimer's. Well, and, and I want to do a deep dive on Alzheimer's because I remember when we had lunch in Boston years ago, you gave me a big cylindrical tube, an aluminum tube of fish oil. And you said, this is the cure for Alzheimer's. And I think of you every time I take my fish oil pills, which is daily. Um, and probably there are better quality ways for me to take it like in liquid form, like you gave to me. But I definitely want to circle back on to the Alzheimer's thing. Are there any other tests that people should be requesting from their doctor? That'd be the first one. Now there's two, there's three, a few other tests, which are standard, relatively standard tests. They'll tell you which of the components of the, of the zone program need the most work. One is a very simple one. It's the ratio of triglycerides to HDL cholesterol. That's an indicator of how well you're controlling your of insulin levels in the liver. Okay. And if the n- number is high, greater than one, you have to work on your diet. Another marker uh, is the ratio of two fatty acids in the blood. Uh, one is called arachidonic acid, and the other one is called eicosapentaenoic acid. I've not heard of either of these things, so thank you for being on Make America Healthy. <laughs> Well, the Iraq, 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 Iraq. <laughs> how do you it, pronounce? Well, well, it's called AA, 
Okay. AA is the building block of all the hormones that drive inflammation. Okay. You need some, but not too much. Eicosapentanoic acid is the omega-3 fatty acid that basically resolves. It turns off inflammation. You need them both working as a team. And so the ratio of those two fatty acids in the blood will tell you if you're taking enough omega-3 fatty acids. Okay. And are there any other tests while and we're... And the last one would be a, a test used primarily by uh, for doctors looking for diabetes. It's called glycosylated hemoglobin, or no, also known as uh, HbA1c. HbA1c. I'm taking notes for myself because I'm going to go get more blood work next week, and I'm going to request all of these. Um, so let's educate the listeners a little bit on what symptoms they might be experiencing if they are in fact pre-diabetic? And also, is it safe to say that if someone has X amount of pounds more on their body than they should, height, weight, proportionate, are they, are they definitely uh, having trouble with insulin resistance? Well, they are, but surprisingly, 16% of Americans who are normal weight they have very severe <laughs> insulin resistance. Well, say, well, I thought you had to be fat to have insulin resistance. Well, if you gain weight, if you're overweight of now, your likelihood of having insulin resistance is about 50%. So not every obese person is insulin resistant. No, there's a group called metabolically healthy obese. Okay. They're obese, but they have low levels of insulin resistance. Now, they're walking on thin ice, but at this point in time, they are actually quite metabolically healthy. How is that possible? Are they just eating too much? Uh, they're eating too much. But, okay. uh, but the, there's a, the, the key thing of our metabolism, which is so complex, is saying there's one master switch. It's called AMPK. This master switch controls everything, turning things on, turning things off on a second-by-second -second basis in each of your 37 trillion cells in the body. But that particular key factor is under dietary control. And if you can basically have the appropriate diet fine-tuned for your biochemistry using the blood markers I spoke about and following a dietary philosophy that you will follow, then you have the key to the kingdom. So on that note, uh, there was a, a book that I also enjoyed. It was called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. Mm -hmm. I'm O positive. Um, I really kind of resonated with what I read in that book. Do you think that there are certain blood types that are more prone to obesity or insulin resistance, or is that not a thing? Uh, I, I, when that first book first came out, I said, this might be a very good diagnostic marker. So we did some studies in Texas uh, with uh, normal weight individuals and obese individuals and said, perhaps those who basically uh, had different blood types would be more prone to obesity. We could find no differences. Okay. Uh, and those who were obese, we put them on a very uh, strict uh, you know, zone diet. And we saw really no differences between the groups. Now, there is some indication, some very uh, you know, preliminary indication that those who have type O have, seem to have less uh, heart disease by a small amount, and they basically seem to have less clotting. But 
Also, on the other hand, other blood types like the type uh, AB, uh, they seem to have less hypertension. So uh, it was a very attractive hypothesis, but there's never been any scientific uh, validation. And do you have kind of your own feelings around this? Or, or because you're such a scientist, you don't go with your feelings, you only go with the science? Uh, show me the data. You know, basically, <laughs> that, yeah, you've got to have feelings, but say eventually is to say, does, you know, does the data support my feelings? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I rely a lot on intuition. And my book, Yoga Lean, is all about like getting so in touch with your body that you know what your body needs to eat at any given time, which of course is different than what you want to eat. Um, and even I remember in college, I, if I like got a turkey burger or something, I wouldn't get the bun with it. So I was by and large following a lot of your zone principles from a fairly early age, um, which I'm very happy about because when, when your book did come out, it really reinforced, uh, what I, I kind of intuitively knew for my own body. I'm also curious as to your thoughts on fruit. Um, I have weaned myself off of sugar because I, when I had PMS, I, I could go through easily a bag of Sour Patch Kids in a night, sometimes a big bag. Uh. And, uh, you know, and I know that a lot of our listeners that struggle with PMS and, and menopause and all of that probably have a lot of questions around this topic, but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on like how much fruit people should eat, because I know that a lot of fruit has a lot of sugar in it and how that uh, goes along with his own diet. Well, fruit, the reason fruit has health benefits is not because of the sugar. It's because it has a small group of chemical compounds. They're called polyphenols. These are the chemicals that give fruits and vegetables their color. And that's all we thought they did for maybe thousands of years. But now we know they do a lot more. What they are, they're powerful genetic modifiers. And these, if you get enough into your body, and if they get into the bloodstream, two big Fs, then they can be activate that compound I talked about earlier, AMPK. So uh, I'll use an example. Uh, we talk about the benefits of red wine. You'll say, I'll drink my way to immortality. Uh, however, I've seen no health benefits whatsoever from alcohol. The only benefits of um, alcohol or red wine might be the very trace amounts of polyphenols. That's why red wine is white, uh, red. So uh, how many glasses of red wine do you really need to get adequate levels of polyphenols per day? Probably about 48 glasses. Oh, that's that's uh, probably more than most people can drink in a day. Well, well the first four <laughs> glasses are easy. It's the next 44 yeah. there are tough. Yeah. But, but our knowledge of polyphenols, these are powerful, uh, you know, epigenetic modifiers. They modify basically the expression of our genes, but you need to take enough to get them into the body to allow them to do their stuff. So we're dealing with a very polluted um, food industry right now in this country. And, you know, GMOs are legal. They're spraying crops with uh, glyphosate and Roundup. Is the fruit that we're eating, you know, and, and a lot of us do try to buy organic, but does the fruit still have the benefits in it? Uh, compared to cheese doodles, yes. Okay. So, but but again, this is a, a major concern. Uh, we've made a choice of saying we want to have cheaper food. It's those uh, pesticides that allow you to get cheaper food. 
Uh, so if you can buy organic, do. It makes sense. But the first thing you want to do is think about what am I trying to do when I eat? Of uh, yeah, I want to satisfy my hunger, but why do we have hunger? Because metabolism is not basically being balanced. So if we can basically get that right balance, really a kind of a, you know, kind of a, you know, almost like a, um, a combination lock. Say, you know, turn to the left, turn to the right, turn back to the left, it unlocks. If you get the right combination, this becomes simple. So there's three parts of this combination lock. One is the diet. Uh, we talked about, again, this balancing of protein to carbohydrate. At every meal, the best you can. It's like driving a car. You can't drive your car all on gas. You can't drive it all on air. You need some balance. The same is true of your diet. At every meal, and this is shown at Harvard Medical School 20 years ago, at every meal, that balance dictates hormonal output. Hormones are hundreds of times more powerful than any drug. So one is trying to get that right balance for a year biochemistry. Second, I need to get enough polyphenols in my diet. So what does it mean? I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, and with the emphasis on a lot of vegetables. What's a lot? Probably about uh, five to seven servings per day. Because like, I, I can't do it. Saying, well, okay, I gave you the basic rules. They haven't changed in 40 million years. They won't change tomorrow. And it's hard to overconsume vegetables. This is very true. You know, I cook a lot. Um, in fact, my book, Yoga Lean, has 35 recipes in it. And I use vegetables really as the base of, of almost every meal that I make. Uh, someone gave me a walk for Christmas, and I've been, you know, walking up all kinds of vegetables. And I may put a little salmon in there or maybe some sweet potato noodles, but by and large, the base is always vegetables. And then I'll, I may even put what I make on top of arugula or something. Um, and I also understand that it's important for us to be eating vegetables of all different colors. So people may need to start, you know, experimenting with some red cabbage or some other colors that they're not used to consuming. Well, that's a good start, but that's uh, one of the components. But again, you want to have a lot of colors. That means a lot of polyphenols. But you still have to balance them off with a protein. So uh, that's the first step. Second step, I need to get adequate omega-3 fatty acids in the diet. Uh, because those are the chemicals and really the hormones derived from them, which are the most powerful hormones known in medical science, which were not known until about 20 years ago. They're called resolvins. They're the ones that turn off inflammation. Now, that's why that blood test I talked about earlier, that will tell you how much you're, you need. So when you get that number, you'll find out, say, are you taking enough omega-3 fatty acids? Now, three or four generations ago, every child in America could not leave the house unless they took a tablespoon of cod liver oil. And why did that stop? Because the kids said, I don't like it. Mm. And now, but that cod, that tablespoon of cod liver oil had about two and a half grams of omega-3 fatty acids. Today, the average American gets 100 milligrams. Um, and they say, this is another reason why our diets become so pro-inflammatory. So it's this pro-inflammation diets that drives insulin resistance that shortens your health span. We have a caller uh, who's calling in. 
Uh, Nicole has a question for you. Hi. How are you? Hi, thank you. Yes, I have a question. I just wondered, um, do you think inflammation has anything to do with how our hormones are responding to us? Do they affect the answer, our hormones? Yes, the answer is yes. Uh, inflammation, we need some to stay alive. It's how we basically fight off of microbial invasions and how we basically begin to heal from injuries. But if we have right. excess inflammation, primarily induced by the diet, they cause basically disruption in our metabolism and disruption in the ability of our hormones to communicate between our 37 trillion cells. So it's really this increased inflammation caused primarily by the diet that puts everything we associate with metabolism in basically a kind of a, a, a funk. And that's Thank why you. that's why I wrote my, wrote my first books, The Zone, was talking about how to maintain a zone of inflammation. You need to some, but not too much. Hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in, Nicole. Um, okay, so where were we? We were talking about how to set things up with diet. Yep, and, and the other pillars. And so, when, once you have what's going to be right for your biochemistry, because we're all genetically different. Some people say, well, I have a slow metabolism. Yes, you do, probably, because you have an inefficient metabolism. So what do you want to do? I want to basically improve the efficiency of my metabolism. And by doing so, I can change my future. If I ignore it, my future will basically be saying, what happened? Well, we can go back and say we know exactly what happened. Basically, it started with the diet, a pro-inflammatory diet. Right. Um, and, you know, exercise, I, I'm a huge fan of weight training. I believe that that boosts one's metabolism as well. It does. And what it does, it increases AMPK. So, uh, and now there's something else you do a lot, and that is a primarily stress reduction, yoga. Right. So, so okay, uh, are they all the same? The, the answer is no. I use the 80-15-5 rule. 80% of your ability to control your metabolism, to control and reduce insulin resistance, will come from your diet. 15% from exercise and 5% from stress reduction. They're all good, but they're not equal. So is it safe to say that anybody who's got a fair amount of extra weight on their body, that's 80% diet? Do you believe that it's possible for weight to stay on a body? if people are eating correctly and properly according to your principles? Well, it's not weight. It's excess fat. Right. So, yes, if you're eating correctly, you're going to lose excess fat. The secret is you can never be hungry. So, uh, you know, who wants to go starving through life and basically say, I'd rather die early. But the secret of basically looking to get this balance of protein to carbohydrate at each meal, that you can now set off hormonal signals from the gut to go directly to the brain to say, stop eating. And if you're never hungry, and then basically cutting back in calories is pretty simple. And is that switch broken in some people? Or would you just say that the overeating could be like emotional overeating or some type of a psychological thing? Or, or do some people just have this a broken hunger switch that they need to keep eating, keep eating, keep eating? 
Well, they probably have a broken hunger switch, but that's a switch that can be fixed. Uh, you know, you see these new weight loss compounds. These are compounds developed for um, treating diabetes, but an unexpected side effect. You stop eating, you lose weight. I say, okay, so it costs you $1,300 a month. You get your injection once a week. You're never hungry. You lose weight. You feel great. But the fact is, well, how that works, those drugs, which are un, basically have only known to- $1,300 a week? A, a month, a month. Okay, still, that's- it's still a lot. Yeah. But, but how they work- is That could buy a lot of uh, good quality protein. Exactly, <laughs> and a cheaper price. But, but how they work now, we know the molecular mechanism is twofold. It stops hunger, but that's not going to lose the excess body fat. They also activate this AMPK- and that's how you lose excess body fat. And what's the name of these drugs in case any of our listeners uh, want to take the easy route um, and go get some of that? The ones for, uh, you know, the uh, or you probably saw them 60 Minutes about uh, a month ago, Wagovi is one of the uh, trade names. Uh, they go into many names. They're used for diabetic treatment. But they, um, they're injectables and they're expensive. Oh, they also have side effects. Uh, like turning your skin about four shades darker. Uh, also, the day you stop using them, the weight comes right back. Wow. Yeah, there's um, wasn't there some kind of an HGC diet? Um, yeah, and, and, and that, that turned out to be basically uh, uh, had more, uh, had even less validity than the uh, eat for your blood type diet. Because I heard a lot of people who did that also like gained more weight after they stopped doing it. Exactly. So, uh, so I so, guess, um, you know, the, there's no such thing as a, a quick fix, right? Or a free lunch. Or a free lunch, yes. My finance professor told me that in college, and I'll never forget that. Um, so do you have some strategies for people who are really looking to make a change and are struggling with food addiction? Well, I was saying, understand what the problem is. It's not that you are a weak person. It's not to say you have an addiction. You say your metabolism is not working. So if you have a, a, a car that isn't working, you don't throw the car away. You take it down to a mechanic and say, fix it. And he does. So here's some basic strategies you can follow very easily. You need only three things. One hand, one eye, and one watch that works. Now, here's, here's those strategies. At every meal, divide your plate into three equal sections. That's why you need the eye. On one-third of the plate, you put some low-fat protein. How much? The amount you can put on the palm of your hand. No more, no less. I mean, for me, that would probably be four or five ounces. Exactly. But you have a larger hand than most women. This is so, true because I'm five foot ten. Exactly. So that, but that tells you how much protein you need at this meal. I don't care where the protein comes from. It could be, you know, a vegetarian source of protein, low fat animal meal, doesn't matter. Just get that amount of protein. That's what you're going to need to stop the hunger. Now you want to balance that plate. So the other two thirds of the plate, you fill it till it's overflowing with colorful carbohydrates. Why are they colorful? They contain polyphenols. So basically vegetables, we're not talking uh, pasta, we're not talking breads, we're not talking potatoes. Because all those are white. If they're white, right. it means they have no polyphenols. 
I say, I put, uh, I want to say, but so now you're eating a lot of vegetables, adequate protein each meal, and now you add a dash of fat. Now, what's a dash? A small amount. Just make sure it's not inflammatory fat. So that'd be olive oil, a little guacamole, or some almonds. Now, how do you know if it worked? You look at your watch. If you're not hungry five hours later, that last meal you had was a drug to stop hunger and burn excess body fat. So what do you do for your next meal? Repeat and repeat and repeat. So intermittent fasting is uh, a huge popular thing right now. Um, I, I do it most days. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on intermittent fasting. Well, it's not very good. I, I mean, it's, it's what it is, it's a way of reducing calories. But uh, it's saying that what, the, what you're looking at, and the data is pretty clear, there's no difference between intermittent fasting and continuous calorie restriction. So there's nothing magical about it. However, there is one difference. That if you look at long-term weight loss after a year, those who do continuous calorie restriction, basically they have more muscle and less fat. Because what happens when you do intermittent uh, fasting, you tend to consume too many calories at any one meal. And so now you're causing basically more disturbances in your metabolism. Here's a good rule for intermittent fasting. Eat your first meal as soon as you get up. Eat your last meal before the sun goes down. Done. Yeah, those are circadian rhythms. Our body runs on them. Trying to run your body on an Apple Watch is not the same as running on circadian rhythms. Right. Yeah, that's why they tell us to get out in the morning, get some sun in our eyes. Um, I can go most of the day without eating, but I definitely am a night eater, and I have not cured that. I've changed what I eat at night, but I'm a night person and a night eater. Well, as as long as you're, st- you're basically you're living in the, uh, let's say, in uh, going to uh, Norway in the summer. That's great. The sun's still up. Right. But, it, but, but what you're doing, you're basically fighting your own uh, basically metabolism, and you're fighting harder than you should. So you just try to basically those, make those adjustments the best you can. But uh, that's why eventually all these things we hear about the latest new thing is say, okay, show me the human data. And usually the human data is less than basically what the, the hype is. Now, what the one thing we do know, the one way, the only proven way known for humans to live longer is eat less calories. Right. But you have to have adequate protein. You have to have adequate fiber. You get that in vegetables. And you have to have a, a consistency from meal to meal to meal. And say, well, that sounds so boring. Except most people's you know, life is pretty boring. Uh, that is uh, from their dietary life. If you're at home, you might eat two different breakfasts in your entire life, three different lunches, and five different dinners. Now, if you go out in LA, there's probably 10,000 restaurants, but there's only five restaurants you always go to. And in their uh, menus, hundreds of wonderful meals, but you always eat the same thing over and over again. Right. We're, re- we're really a creature's of habit. So take the things you like to do, adjust them, and use your blood to tell you, are you going in the right direction? They're like, and the blood markers are like navigational markers saying, as long as you're in the navigational zone, the channel, you're not going to run aground. 
move out of that navigational channel, bad things are going to happen. And I think another problem, too, is that a lot of people look at food as entertainment uh, instead of fuel. Well, they, they should be looking at it not as fuel, but as the most powerful drug they'll ever encounter in their lifetime. Why? Because food affects hormones and food affects the expression of our genes. Every time you eat, you're doing genetic engineering to your body. So you I can have it. Yes. Also, when we had lunch, you told me, you know, people who are starting their day with like a muffin and coffee are just setting themselves up for a disaster for the rest of the day. Exactly. Well, let's go. Let's go someplace that they often do that, like Italy. Say, well, I'll have a, a, a croissant and, a, a, you know, an espresso. Okay. Recipe for disaster. Now, here, how can you take that meal, make it a little better? Well, rather than having the espresso, have a cappuccino. Why? You've got a little, at least some protein in there. But how many cappuccinos do you need to get the amount of protein you need for that meal? The answer is 28. Uh-huh. So, so, a so, lot so, of wine and a lot of cappuccino yeah. if you're looking to do this on your own. <laughs> but, but, but that's why we, you, know, you try to basically give people, here's some general rules, and now apply your philosophy of the, uh, what you will eat not what we should eat, what will you eat? And I'll just make those adjustments and say, I can see the differences, and this is clinically proven, in four days. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, again, we had Dr. Nick Pericone on last week, and he was talking about his three-day diet that he had put out years ago, where people just basically ate greens, salmon, blueberries, and avocados for three days, and how different people uh, looked after three days. Well, not the secret. Uh, remember, the word diet comes from the ancient Greek uh, root, which means way of life. So it's not a three-day diet. That's what you eat the rest of your life. Because the day you stop eating like that, the insulin resistance is going to come right back like a weed and say, what happened? And say, you basically, hello, anybody home? This is what you follow for the rest of your life. And say, but I, but I want to eat one. Say, that's how you got in the problems. Yeah, I mean, the weight doesn't come on overnight, and I understand it doesn't come off overnight either, but it's but, but, but consistency. You, you work on the system. So so Nick was right. He says that you, you were seeing within three days a change of insulin resistance. Say, so I'd like that change. Good. Now just continue it for the rest of your life. But, you know, if you have diabetes and you go to the doctor, uh, they're going to basically give you a lot of medication and not really advise you that you can potentially turn things around with diet. That's true, because that takes a lot of effort. It's like going to somebody and say, I want you to be a better person. That takes effort. Uh, And so and and for doctors, you know, it's easier for them to say, take this drug and uh, basically next because they have exactly 10 minutes to work with our patient. That's that's about the upper limit that they're allowed now by the insurance companies. So they're saying, I'm in the business. I'm, I can't take all day long to work with them. Say, okay, what's the path of leaf resistance? Take Doug drug X. And if this doesn't work, we'll then add drug Y to it, and then drug Z, and then you know, you know, you know, all of a sudden you're a polypharmacy. And, all, and, and probably having a tremendous amount of side effects as well. That's why they call them drugs. Yeah. And that's why I say if you take too little of the drug, it doesn't work. You take too much of the drug, 
it has some side effects. Pharmaceuticals are basically a magical pill saying, ah, if I just had the right magical pill. Metabolism is more complex than that. So I say, I'm looking for the, the right dietary structure that can orchestrate all these complex reactions taking place in every organ of my body, in every one of my 37 trillion cells, and that's a lot of cells, yet I have complete control over them if I choose to. And we get a like cell turnover in a brand new body in how many months? Well, it, it, it depends what cells we're talking about. If it's talking about the gut, those cells turn over every three days. If you're talking about a uh, organ like, uh, say, the muscle or the fat cell, every ten years. Talking about something like the brain, once when you die, <laughs> uh, because because you know. So each organ has a different lifetime, and yet basically, think there are turning over, but how to basically get them to turn over correctly to make new cells, and more importantly, get rid of the damaged cells. That's under control of your metabolism, which is under complete control of your diet if you choose to follow the correct diet. I've also heard that if you have sugar cravings after a meal, it means you didn't eat enough protein. Is that true? Yes. Because that's because again, it's the it's not say, oh, I need a craving. So what happened, the hormonal signals from the gut, which are caused by the amount of protein you consume in a meal, have not reached the hypothalamus in the brain. So the, as far as the brain's concerned, you haven't eaten anything. That's why protein is so critical to start each meal. I need an adequate amount to basically get the signal from the gut directly to the brain saying, we're okay for the next five hours. If the signal isn't there, the brain says, you know, you must be dying downstairs, so eat some more. And I've heard um, a couple of conflicting things on this, and I'd love your expertise. I've heard that our bodies can't digest more than 25 grams of protein at a time. And then I've heard some people like Gabrielle Lyons say, you know, first meal of the day in particular, make sure you're getting at least 50 grams of protein. Uh, what's, the tr what's the science on this? Well, the, the science is they're both kind of right. Uh, that you you know you can't consume an excess amount of protein. It's hard. Uh, protein's hard to digest. What you need is about thirty grams of protein at each meal. Oh, more so that's than about that's about three eggs, right? No, that's not three eggs, uh, because you don't want you remember that arachidonic acid that causes inflammation. Yes, that's in the egg yolks. So you want to eat egg whites. So now to get thirty grams of uh, high quality protein, that's eight egg whites. That's a big omelet. But that's enough to basically say, that's all I need. Now, there's a lot of controversy about egg yolks as well. So I, I, I'm going to leave that topic on the table for uh -huh. today um, because we've had you know guests with a lot of different interpretations of that. Let's just say that. Well, let's, let's say uh, I'll kind of put quotations around interpretation saying uh, I, I have my own personal feelings. Say, do I have any data saying... Uh, but I feel good. So that's why we have to take and say, what does science show us under controlled circumstances? So let's go back to uh, Nick's aspect. If you followed his diet for three days, I say, I feel great. The science confirms that. In three days, four days time, you will see a dramatic reduction of insulin resistance. Now let's go back to what protein he was using, salmon. Salmon is very rich in omega-3 fatty acids. You're taking now 
it's like a three-legged stool. It's very hard to sit on one-legged stool. A two-legged stool is much better. A three-legged stool, incredibly stable. So here are your three legs. I have to have the diet with the right balance of protein and carbohydrate. I have to have the polyphenols. These are the chemicals that give fruits and vegetables their color. And I have to have adequate amounts of omega-3 fatty acids. So he was giving you basically the three legs of how to control insulin resistance for a lifetime. Right. Um, and when, you know, people are eating obviously a lot of uh, sugar and snacks and candy bars and cookies and all of that, we become addicted to that. Is that correct? It, it creates some kind of a reaction in our bodies and our brains that we want more and more and more. Well, it's uh, because as what you're doing, you're short circuiting all the signaling mechanisms coming from every part of your body, your gut, uh, your blood to the brain. And the brain's trying to make decisions, say either we're getting enough food or not. So uh, when we talk about uh, addictions, we're really talking about disturbances in signaling mechanisms in the brain because the inputs coming from other organs in the body, the information is now disrupted. And as we move towards the close of the show, do you have strategies for people who are not only looking to change their diet, but also perhaps do want to really take the sugars and, and the processed packaged foods um, out of their system? Do you advocate for kind of a reduction, a harm reduction plan, or do you just think people should go cold turkey? What's the best strategy physically and psychologically for people to break the sugar habit? Well, I'll go back to um, you know, your conversation with Nick Perricone. He said, after three days, you look great in the mirror and you feel great. Saying, you like to feel that way the rest of your life. So you're eating vegetables, you're eating fish, and basically just do that. And uh, in three days, life is a lot better. So the fact is, uh, you know, we are basically of so ignorant of the complexity of our metabolism. This is the last undergrade explored area of basically medicine. What we think is pharmacology are tinker toys compared to the complexities of metabolism. But we have the ability, if we choose to use it, to control it with a precision that's remarkable. And all of a sudden, all the excuses dissipate almost within a matter of days. So it takes a plan. It takes discipline. Um, it takes consistency to set yourself up for success. It's kind of like life itself. Very much so, yeah. Um, you know, for years, I, I've been contemplating behavioral change. Uh, I, I work with a lot of people on doing online yoga lean groups who are interested in, in weight loss and weight maintenance. And, you know, I'm always like, wow, what, you know, what is that one event for people? Uh, I moved to Los Angeles from New York City after college and I had a sedentary job. I had to be there at 6.45 in the morning. And I was working in downtown Los Angeles and living at the beach. So it was a, quite a commute as well. And so I somehow managed to gain 25 pounds in about six months. And I remember one morning I just woke up and I said, this has got to stop. I went and I joined the gym again. I started going to the gym at 5 a.m. I'm not a morning person at all. I changed my diet up. I lost the weight. It was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. But, you know, it was that that one aha moment that really made a change. And 
you know, if I could recreate that aha moment for so many of my clients that are struggling, I definitely would. Uh, We had one gentleman who saw a picture of himself at a wedding, his wedding, didn't like what he saw, picked up my book, Yoga Lean, followed it religiously uh, and lost 80 pounds in a year. So I'm always impressed by people who take the reins into their own hands and make their own positive change. But I guess it, it doesn't happen that easily and people need to really want it. And I also believe that people need to experience what it's like to, to be in a healthy body, to be in a body that you're grateful for and proud of and, and works and isn't getting in the way of you achieving your goals. Uh, because I believe that our bodies can either help us achieve our goals or really get in the way. No, you're quite right. And uh, it's the aspect of saying there's nothing more complex in medicine than diet. And uh, so the biggest problem is kind of cutting through all the misconceptions and saying, you know, the science tells us what we have to do. There's some nuances that you can basically personalize to what you would like to eat. But if you want to take control of your future, you can. If you want to basically uh, let your future be dictated by the drug companies, you can. Uh, the second choice is probably not the best choice, but uh, many go that pe- process. Well, I don't know how it's happened in our society, and I don't know if it's like this in other countries, but you know, people are just so willing to surrender their health to a doctor once they've you know not taken care of themselves or whatever, and then completely you know trust those in the medical practice. Um, you know, and it's called practice for a reason. It's not perfection. And a lot of the doctors, again, they just want to give people a pill. Uh, People want to take the easy way out and they don't really want to take responsibility for their own health and wellness. And that to me is, is very sad and kind of a a huge crime against society. Well, I think that's been the human condition for the last uh, probably um, 200,000 years. What put so, up, trusting trusting other people with our health more yes, than or, or, and saying it, uh, it, saying it takes effort, and so you're trying to say, oh, can you basically reduce the amount of effort required? That's what science allows us to do. Say, oh, some of the shortcuts we can do this, and explain to the person. Say, here's what's happening, and you have two choices. Choice A, life is great. You wake up each morning, and say it's a great day. Choice B saying life's miserable and it's getting worse. And saying whatever pathway you choose, of you know, you're on the pathway. But you can change if you want to. But the longer you're on pathway B, the damage you've incurred becomes harder and harder to rectify. So if someone is uh, suffering from an insulin issue, pre-diabetic, diabetes, obesity, uh, I believe that they should act like the house is on fire and quickly go into solution mode to try to solve the problem with whatever means they can, uh, hopefully natural means. Um, But it seems like in our society today that people just, they think it's okay to not be in a healthy body. And I don't know where that mentality stems from or or comes from, but it's it's quite concerning to me. It should be. And uh, because for America of about 19% of our gross domestic product comes from healthcare. That's a lot of money. That and that's, that number is only going to grow, it's gonna grow, grow after and, the past couple of years and everything that's gone down. And so a lot of things we want for our country, say we can have the money, but we basically have chosen 
to take the path of least resistance. Well, listen, we could also educate children, you know, in kindergarten and first grade, like how to really eat properly. We don't do that. And we're cutting all the PE programs and physical fitness is being eliminated from schools and universities everywhere. So, and people are spending more and more time on technology. Um, And I think our obesity numbers are reflecting that. Uh, they're, uh, they're reflecting that, but the obesity numbers are reflecting a much, much greater problem. That basically, uh, we are accelerating of basically uh, lack of wellness. And this is going to come back and bite us in the butt as a country. Well, I'm sure it has already. Um, oh, you, I, we, as they say, and, you, you've seen nothing yet. And I was listening to something about the Medicare system and how they're soon going to run out of their reserves and also how much money is spent just on diabetes every year. Exactly. So people don't realize if you're not taking care of yourself, it's going to have a spillover effect to your family, to your friends, to your life, to your earning potential, to your self-esteem. So better to put in the work, follow Dr. Sears's program Uh, change up your diet, start moving your body, and start living your life in a more free and healthy way. It's worked for thousands of years. It still works today. Wonderful. Dr. Barry Sears, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell our listeners where they can find you on social Uh, media and, uh, you know, about your most recent book. Okay. I'm I'm not very good on social media, but I do have a website, drsears.com. Okay. And that goes into the science of the zone of for the more kind of beginning, how to basically try to get the zone. I recommend my other site called zoneliving.com. Okay, great. And if you haven't checked out Barry's first book, the zone diet, uh, it's a classic, uh, check it out. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, for our listeners, you can find me on Instagram at Beth Shaw health. You can also visit me at bethshaw.com. I do speaking engagements, corporate wellness, You can also visit yogafit.com, the leader in yoga, mind, body, fitness. We have conferences, trainings, uh, workshops, continuity groups online, such as the Yoga Lean Continuity Weight Loss Group that we run every week. So check us out. You can also save 15% at checkout by using the code VOICE23. And uh, feel free to message us with any questions that you have. Until next time, stay healthy if you enjoyed this show. Please share it with someone who needs it and have a beautiful, healthy rest of your day. Namaste, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Make America Healthy. We hope we've given you some tools you need to take back control of your health. Until next time, we wish you a healthy and wonderful week.